This is your host, Michelle, and you're listening to Old TV with a New Twist. Let's see what classic television show we're watching and talking about this month. Marshall, Will, and Holly On a routine expedition Met the greatest earthquake ever known High on the rapids It struck their tiny raft And plunged them down a thousand feet below To the land of the lost Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 71 of Old TV with a New Twist. Today, I am welcoming back my co-host for her fifth time. Oh, my God. Has it been that many times? Yes. Emily, I think you're a regular. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You're feeling way comfortable, right? Yes. Yeah. Talking about old stuff. Yeah, I'm comfortable doing that. Yeah, Yeah. you've (laughs) always been comfortable. You were comfortable from time one. Before we start talking about our show, Um, I just have some housekeeping to do. As of March 2024, Google Podcasts will no longer be available. Now, my analytics tell me that 2% of my listeners come from Google Podcasts. So if you're part of that 2%, you're going to need to switch over to either Spotify or Apple Podcasts because Google's not going to be carrying the podcasts anymore. Don't know why. Just wanted to let you know that. And also, if you are listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, which I know most of my listeners do, please go in and give us a good rating, preferably five stars, a good rating. It's going to help our algorithm and help us grow. We are growing. We want to grow some more. And if you don't subscribe to this podcast, please subscribe and tell your friends to subscribe. Right, Emily? Oh, yeah. Um, Okay. That's done. All my work and my shameless begging is done. We are going to talk about a show called Land of the Lost. Ran for three seasons from 1974 to 1977, 43 episodes, and it was a Saturday morning show. This show was the brainchild of Sid and Marty Croft. I always believe they were truly deranged people. You you have anything on Sid and Marty? People theorize that they may have used substances making their shows, which they vehemently denied. People literally was, accused them of that? I wouldn't say accused. <laughs> I think it was a case of stoners feeling that they were recognizing one of their own <laughs> while watching this stuff. For example, they had a 1969 series called HR Puffin Stuff. The theme song has a lyric. It's like HR Puffin Stuff. You can't do a little because you can't do enough. <laughs> and they were claiming that this was about LSD or drugs or something. And they were like, no, you can't be on drugs while you're doing this stuff. It takes way too much work and concentration. Maybe after, but not while you're doing it. <laughs> Why? Well, I, I disagree because I think you have to be on a lot of drugs to create this kind of stuff. Well, I don't know. That reminds me, we did here on Old TV with a New Twist, a Saturday morning show extravaganza where my husband and I sat down and just talked about Saturday morning television in the late 60s and early 70s. And we each listed like our top five shows, which Land of the Lost and HR Puff and stuff were both in my top five. 
life. Okay. So, so you were a Sid and Marty Croft kid. Well, I, don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to say that. But they both had guy leads. H.R. Puff and stuff had Jack Wilde. And this show had Wesley Yore, um, who I, you know, as a young girl, I just thought they were both so cute. They were so dreamy. Well, with the Wesley character. Did you think he was cute? I mean, I, I'm sure if I was like a teenager or <laughs> mm -hmm. a girl, a little kid, I think he was cute. I just noticed he had his shirt open the whole time. So when I was watching him, like, oh, he was probably a heartthrob. He kind of was. He was like 23 playing a 16 year old. Really? Yeah. And at the same time, he played on Days of Our Lives, the yeah. soap opera. Because we're going to talk about the characters and the people who played them. And of course, first of all is Will Marshall, who was played by Wesley Yore. He is from baton rouge louisiana really yeah that's right we, you guys we're in the new orleans area we're uh, a suburb of new orleans so to speak yeah, the north shore about it's 30 minutes yeah around um, from new orleans he only has 15 tv credits but he has a ton of stage work he went on after this and was a developer and creator and a writer for the successful children's show dragon tales Oh my God, are you serious? Which ran for nine years, yeah. That was a show I grew up watching. Dragon Tales, Dragon Tales. Yeah. Sing it, em <laughs> Emily is just serenading us today. Yeah. Emily. Dragon Tales, as far as I know, does not have any veiled drug references, of course. <laughs> well, no, because it wasn't Sid and Marty Croft. <laughs> but anyway, a couple little facts about him. This is so cool. He was picked, Wesley, we're talking about Wesley Ure, the actor, was picked to succeed David Cassidy as Keith Partridge on the Partridge family. But this didn't work out because the series was canceled following David Cassidy's departure. I think he would have made a good Keith Partridge or somebody stepping in. He, he does sing very well. Um, also, I don't know if you noticed this, his manager talked him into being billed simply as Yes. Wesley. Oh my God. You're no Madonna. You're no Cher. Adele. <laughs> yeah. Adele. You're not even Roseanne, buddy. Okay. You are just this guy. Same. He does in interviews now. He is genuinely embarrassed at that. Anyway, I have a Wesley story to share. Oh, do tell. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, I will now regale you with my Wesley story, a story, story from my adolescence. It's a little sad. Oh no. Okay. I want you all to grab a tissue. Okay. So as I said, he was on Days of Our Lives, and he was also on this show, and I watched both of them. And I I may have had a little crush on Wesley. I was like 11, 12 years old. I just thought he was so cute. So there was a place in New Orleans called the Beverly Dinner Playhouse. It was like a dinner theater. Um, it, it Great dinner, and, and this, the tables were all around a stage, and then there would be a play, usually a three-act play. And my parents had season tickets. They were season ticket holders for Beverly Playhouse. Well, we found out a play was coming called Bus Stop. Oh, yeah. And Wesley was touring in the play. Well, at this time, I was maybe 16, 15, 16. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I have to go. I, I need to. I, Mom, y'all have got to take me. It's, it's Wesley. So she said, OK, we'll go. Well, the whole family will go. So it was my mom, my dad, my sister, my brother, and me. I was so excited. Girl, I got dressed up. I had this suit that I made in home ec class. And I, because I was like a sophomore in high school, freshman or sophomore, my blue suit with this hat. Girl, I was feeling myself, right? I'm going to go. <laughs> we, went, we had a stage side table. Wesley would make eye contact with me and that would be it. <laughs> oh my god i mean it was it was it was great i mean i it, this was it 
So we go and we were sitting at the table and it's the, the table seats six. So there's five of us. And then there's this older lady sitting with us and, you know, you get to talking over dinner and stuff. And, um, she tells us that her good friend is in the play and she came from Florida to see her friend in this play. And throughout dinner, she got to know, she loved my mom and dad got talking, invites us to the cast party afterwards. Cause she's there with her friend who's in the cast. Oh no. And somehow her friend came out or something. She said, can I bring, sure, bring him to the cast party. Okay. Well, I'm dying. I am going to, <laughs> I'm going to the cast party with Wesley. So at the end of the show, the star comes out to the end of the stage and thanks everyone for coming. And we'll like take questions from the audience. So out comes Wesley. I am sitting there right in front. I am staring up at him. I'm waiting for the moment where he looks down at me, Emily. I'm waiting for this moment, right? Got the hat on. I'm ready. So he starts talking about his career a little bit. And he says, yeah, you know, I'm sure a lot of you might remember from Land of, of the Lost, you know, and the audience claps and all. And uh, some other things I did. And my brother, who's a year older than me, shouts out, days of our lives. Oh, my God. <laughs> or was it the other way around? Did he say days of our lives? And my brother shouted, Lands of the Lost. I can't remember whatever because he looks at my brother and they start this dialogue back and forth and it that's all the only person he talked to was my brother are you serious yes oh my god i'm sitting there sinking in my seat and i'm like he's not even looking at me he's not and he's joking and they're laughing about this and that and where you live and wait this big dialogue with my brother and i'm just sitting there and my brother knows this is killing me because that's all I could talk about was meeting Wesley. Oh yeah. And he's just milking it, you know, for all it's worth. But, and of course the biggest problem was that the interaction I am sitting here watching my brother have with him is the interaction I had dreamed of myself having with him. It was the, it was the exact same thing I was watching. And my brother wasn't even wearing a cool hat. It was a horrible moment for a teenage girl for yes a teenage girl who had a crush on this guy however we did go to the cast party oh my god and i did meet wesley i'm showing emily a picture oh my god what, what about that cool hat girl that is fabulous <laughs> and the wide collar is fabulous too I well love it. it was the 70s now yes uh but there i am with wesley i will put that picture on the facebook page you guys um that is awesome so that really yeah. is oh my god <laughs> That's a good suit, though. I'm envious. I made that suit. I know. It was a vest and a suit. Yeah. But guys, so that's my Wesley story. But of course, we met at the at the party at the cast party. And he was lovely. He was absolutely lovely. And I never had any interaction with Wesley since then until this morning, which we'll talk about a little later. What? Okay. Okay. I'm waiting with bated breath. (laughs) But I have heard from a lot of people who go to conventions and Mm -hmm. stuff that that a lot of the cast members from land of the lost are just the yeah. coolest sweetest yeah. people very lovely lovely people that was great it was a great memory and we, we laugh and joke about it to this day so let's move on holly marshall was played by kathy coleman she has six acting credits which that is the least amount of acting credits anybody has ever had <laughs> that's yeah that's very modest six. Did she mainly do theater after? No, that, no. Or? Well, this is what happened. But after the show, she got married, got pregnant, and then got married very young. Had two kids and uh, went to work on a dairy farm, and you know, kind of, kind of lived a very not Hollywood life at all. Um, but the good thing, like you said, about these conventions are these people still to this day are, are living off that. She wrote a book about her life, 
which I have right here. Oh, run, Holly, run. <laughs> run, Holly, run. Because that's what my, my boyfriend, Wesley, used to always tell her. <laughs> okay, so let's move on because we're <laughs> going to get to the show. Then Rick Marshall, the dad, was played by Spencer Milligan. His 33 acting credits. So there you go. He was not in the last season of the show. Did you read about I, that? I read all okay, about okay, that. Okay, tell us about that. What happened to the dad? So he was upset. He felt they weren't getting enough royalties for having their images used on all these merchandising items like lunch boxes, thermoses. And it was a lot. And yeah, it was a lot. And he felt they weren't being compensated for that. He also felt they deserved a salary increase. And when his demands were not met, he basically walked from the show. And they had to replace him with the kid's uncle. Oh, yeah. Uncle Jack. Uncle Jack. And apparently that actor had been on uh, the Planet of the Apes TV series, I mm -hmm. think. Yeah. And I remember in the story, because it was the dad was trying to find a way out of yes. the land of the lost and the uncle was looking for them. And somehow they switched places because the only way to leave the land of the lost is to switch places with an equivalent or someone who didn't want to be paid royalties <laughs> for merchandise. Someone who's okay with yeah, not being paid not being have their paid. face on a lunchbox. So he didn't last too long. And then the last one is Chaka, the little uh, Pacuni. Pacuni, yes. Played by Philip Bailey, which he just broke Kathy Coleman's record. He has only five acting credits. Yeah. She had six. He now has the lowest amount of acting credits, little Chaka. At the age of nine, he became the youngest black belt in history. Really? He was trained by Chuck Norris. And he now holds a BA in English from UCLA. And he's a good looking guy. I mean, I watched him on some of the panels. Uh, okay, that's everything about the characters. There's not many. That's that's all. Um, right. I did watch like a retrospective video about Land of the Lost. Mm -hmm. Where they talked a bit about the other characters like Dopey and then the Slee Stacks and all oh, that. Oh, the Slee Stacks yeah. were iconic. Yeah. yeah. The first episode, though, that we watched for this show, it really thrusts you in to mm -hmm. the action very quickly. Like, you only really get that they're from another dimension. Right. Or something from that theme song. Mm-hmm that plays and then they're immediately like oh we're here <laughs> well it's one of those things and you find this a lot like the brady bunch gilligan's island their theme songs set up the show yes and this theme song does the same thing and we're going to talk about the theme song um first of all we watched season one episode one pilot episode called chaka aired september 7th 1974 and it starts with the theme song yes which starts off with the words <clears throat> I'll sing it for you. Oh, sure. Marshall, Will, and Holly on a routine expedition. Okay, that's how it starts. Yeah. Marshall, Will, and Holly. Now, their names are Rick, Will, and Holly, and their last name is Marshall. And I always wondered why. So I went ahead and slid into the DMs of Wesley to ask him that question. Oh, no. And he answered me. Oh, my God. <laughs> Here we go. I said, hi, Wesley, I'm recording a podcast tomorrow about Land of the Lost and have a question. Why does the song begin Marshall, Will and Holly when the names were Rick, Will and Holly and Marshall was your last name? Well, he answered me back and said, that is a great question. And I don't have an answer. I always thought it should be Rick, Marshall, Will and Holly. And I said, okay, thanks so much. By the way, you and I met when you <laughs> performed in Bus Stop at the Beverly Dinner Playhouse in New Orleans. It was a thrill meeting you. And I sent him the photo. Oh my God. <laughs> and he said, 
what a great photo. Thank you for sharing it with me. <laughs> there you go, folks. That was just this morning at my last little um, correspondence with, with Wesley. Oh, that's fabulous. <laughs> so there you go. Um, okay. So what, what, did, what did you think about the opening and the song? Because our listeners just listened to it. It was a lead into this. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, the use of like banjos and synthesizers. That's really uh, a very interesting choice. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Like, oh, interesting. Like, I, <laughs> right. I, I think I think that's actually genuinely interesting. I think it's cool. Uh, the effects in the opening oh. are fantastic. <laughs> no, do you mean fantastically bad? Well, I mean, they, they are primitive by our standards, but I feel like for the 70s and for television and when you're not dealing with a huge budget for the time, those are pretty good effects. Obviously, now there is a level of camp and hilarity to it. Sure. It is very primitive, but to me, that gives it another layer of entertainment. Ex well, I knew you'd be perfect for this for that yeah. very reason, because you appreciate that kind of thing and you can take that campiness and use it as a positive. Yes. That goes in the positive column when well, talking I, about this show. I can't stand it when people will, it's like, oh, this, this old thing, it has old special effects. How stupid. I'm like, oh yeah, they should have just invented CG or whatever. Right. Like back in like 1974. <laughs> oh, please. Like really, like I, I yeah, I, I think that's a very counterproductive way of looking at it. Right. So if any of you don't know, I'll just tell you the premise of the show. But anyway, Rick Marshall and Will Marshall and Holly Marshall, that's a dad and his two children, were on a rafting trip. They were on the Colorado River. They get plunged down a waterfall and into a time portal and into a prehistoric time with dinosaurs, alien-like creatures called sleestacks, and ape-like humanoids known as pacunis. So there we go. That sets it all up. And I do know that this episode begins one month after the plunge and after they got there. So they're already in the land of the lost for one month when this, this episode begins. Oh, really? That's how they've got their cave set up and everything. Yes. I didn't get that and from the episode. I know, they, but it looks like they moved in. They just moved into. Yeah. But I get, maybe not. I don't know. I mean, they're in the cave. They haven't had time to order their drapes and get, yeah. get their get their furniture from Ikea. It's still pretty sparse, but <laughs> okay. But here, uh, so we're going to talk about this episode. We're going to get into the episode in just a minute, but we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. And we're back. So we begin the episode with our three people running from a T-Rex. Run, Holly, run. I really love how over the top his acting is in it. I think it's, and I genuinely love it. I Overacting. Think it's great. Yes. Yeah, well, in interviews, they were talking about how the directors and all that didn't want them to be too real. Like they were talking about a scene from a later episode where they had to cry. The director's like, oh no, y'all are crying. Y'all are making it too sad. This isn't supposed to be real. You know, So they were going for unrealistic. They were not going for- It's Saturday morning. It's over the top, right. Okay. So oh, I okay. Love it. Well, that explains a lot. Okay. So they're running from the dinosaurs. You know, they're running through the jungle and right away, we know we're not in Jurassic Park. Steven no. Spielberg is not involved in this production. Okay when I first looked at it, there, there was two distinct kinds of filming. Yes. There was them in running through the forest to jungle, whatever it is, which was obviously a set. And then there was this stop motion photography, claymation, whatever you call it, of the dinosaurs. Yes. From what I read. Two different kinds of filming. 
Actually, I yes, I it, it was a matting process where they used they shot the stop motion stuff on film and they shot the live action stuff on videotape. And the two processes, it uses different kinds of lighting. And right. I think apparently they did this because the chroma key and all of that, you know, if you shoot somebody in front of a blue screen or mm -hmm. whatever, you get that fringe, like that blue halo around the outline. And apparently if you tape one of the elements on videotape and the other on actual film, it doesn't have as much of a problem with the blue fringe, but it creates its own distinct kind of problems because they're lit differently. Um, that's just what I read. Right. Well, what I saw in a it was wesley my boyfriend and <laughs> he was describing the filming and he said they used many different things they did like the blue screen they did puppets they did miniatures yes. they did costumes they did all kind of stop motion uh there was stop motion filming of the dinosaurs and they were recorded on videotape they didn't find a way to marry the scenes of them and with the dinosaurs like all together so they called in disney animators to yes. help. did you read that yes yeah. to help them kind of incorporate the shots and later in the series there's more of an incorporation of them in the shots with the dinosaurs that they, they learned how to do it so thank you disney but one thing i did um see in an interview or read i can't remember but um when they first started filming holly was wearing blue jeans yes but the the blue screen yeah <laughs> kept making up her, her pants <laughs> and ate up his uh his shirt shortly into the series his shirt's not going to be that light blue anymore it's going to be uh beige yeah like a khaki color yeah because they had they had problems that's with why that. she wears the red corduroy pants right because it couldn't be blue so, we, so you guys i hope you're enjoying this we're throwing out so much interesting trivia here i learned so much so they're running from the dinosaur right yeah who they call grumpy because he's very the t-rexes tend to be grumpy i mean yes <laughs> if i had arms that little i'd be grumpy too yeah <laughs> i mean you can't reach for anything um so they're running through the jungle and the dad says you know what i think we must be in another world and wesley will his son will says what makes you think that dad <laughs> and the dad says because i saw three moons last night okay you mean these dinosaurs chasing you didn't tell you it was the three moons <laughs> but that was that was like the biggest laugh we got and, and and once again like you said the acting is like what do you mean dad <laughs> he literally <laughs> said world yeah <laughs> oh it's great hey i am a full believer in embracing the cheese I, I know you. I know you and I knew you would love that. So, okay, so they're gonna they're gonna meet somebody. Tell us what's gonna happen here. Rick is like, oh kids, you go wait over here while I do stuff. And so of course they don't wait over there. Uh, because Holly's like, oh, let's go look over here. And um they see these three ape-like creatures who we will come to find out are the Pacuni. Mm -hmm. um, they are very reminiscent of the ape-like creatures in 2001 A Space Odyssey. And it turns out that's because they, they used 2001 A Space Odyssey as research yeah. uh, for the actors when doing these scenes. So they're just sitting around and then Grumpy shows up mm -hmm. and two of the Pacuni are able to run off, but one of them breaks his, his leg holly and will go and rescue him and take him back and they all decide to you know heal his leg uh they put a they basically make a cast for it and they come to find out that the pacuni's name is chaka they're mm -hmm. like you know me holly you, you know he's like oh me chaka mm -hmm. so yeah. um apparently they made up 
um, a language for the Pakuni on the okay, show. Okay, I have a I have a note about that. A UCLA linguistics professor named Victoria Frompton developed an entire three hundred word dialect for the Pakuni. Yeah. So they were serious, and and it was a literal, yeah, a, a language, a whole language was developed, and the actor little little philip paley who played uh, chaka said about they made him watch 2001 a space odyssey yeah. and sent him to the zoo to observe the primates to for his body movement and motion and actions and all so that's kind of pretty cool no i think that's really you know? cool like they put a lot of effort this wasn't just something they shot out with no effort whatsoever like they put a lot of effort and thought into yeah. creating an internal mythology and a lot of world building for this show which i find very impressive yeah there are adult shows that don't put that much level of thought into that kind of creation mm -hmm. um so like you said they're back in the cave they fix his leg and it gets to be nighttime and it appears to be the wicked witch's uh, flying monkeys outside. <laughs> Did you notice how they kept showing them like flying out outside the thing? But I think it was pterodactyls, right? I'm pretty Is sure it was flying ones. Yeah. But all I could think about was the flying monkeys. Um, so they're in the, they're in the cave. It's nighttime. They're all going to try and go to sleep. And Will and Holly, they're arguing like they're arguing over an Oreo. She wants to keep Chaka around, but she almost treats Chaka like a pet. Like, can we keep him? Yeah. And then Rick is like, um, Chaka can decide for himself. Yeah, we don't own people because he's very. I was impressed with the Chaka character. I was intrigued. I thought he was adorable. That it, little character. The kid actor was very good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And kid actors can be kind of, well, for me, a tough sell because sometimes they're very annoying. Uh, but I thought he was very good. And it's a difficult part to play. Yes, because you're dealing with someone who doesn't speak English. Mm -hmm. uh, they are simian in nature. Yeah. No, and you have yeah. to speak this fake language. And it's pretty good. But overall, when they're in the cave and the kids are fighting and the dad's like, all right, kids, stop it. You know, it's just like they're at home. I know. And I'm thinking <laughs> they're plunged down a raft while they're on vacation they are in this land they're being chased by dinosaurs i don't think they're phased enough they but you you're forgetting would you be phased? wouldn't you be a little more if this was a realistic show yes you would have it would be appropriate for them to be phased. but this is saturday morning okay. you're gonna have to keep reminding me of that's, that. you have to remember that's why the director told them when they were crying you guys gotta tone it down you can't right. make it too sad because it is the primary thing about this show from what i can understand of it you know because i've only watched this one episode but i've done i watched other stuff about it um it's a lot about adventure it's like an old school adventure with a lot of science fiction and a lot harder science fiction that i would expect from a kid show actually right. um, but we'll talk about that later mm -hmm. but it reminds me a lot of kind of the willis o'brien ray harryhausen stuff so willis o'brien um he did like the special effects with like the original king kong he did like stop motion dinosaurs for a 1925 version of the lost world okay so, and he was a big influence on ray harryhausen who did clash of the titans or Jason and the Argonauts. Yeah. Yeah. So big names and stop mm -hmm. motion and these yeah. adventure slash fantasy slash science fiction mm -hmm. films. So that's wow. what it made me think of while okay. I was watching it. And you know, something you said, because when you said about it, when he said, don't make them too scared and don't make them cry, because 
us as kids watching it would feel that emotion. And we want them to be happy. We want them to be intrigued and feel adventure and not feel sadness or fear. Though apparently the show did scare kids. I was reading a lot of comments from people who grew up with it who said, um, in this episode, they don't go over the slea stacks. They were scary. The slea stacks are lizard. They look like lizard-like creatures. Mm -hmm. And they're apparently like antagonists in the show and Mm -hmm. they are terrifying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, apparently a lot of kids were like, that was freaky. But, but when you're a kid, a lot of stuff is yeah. absolutely ungodly terrifying, though. Yeah. I See, I was I was like 10 or 11. Yeah, so you I were was a little older. older. I, no, I would think if you were six or seven, if you were much younger. Yeah. yeah like, you're a lot more sensitive. Yeah. By the time you're 10 or 11, you think you're the most jaded person in the world. Nothing scares you anymore, I guess. So, yeah. <laughs> I was just watching for Wesley. <laughs> you just wanted his open With that shirt, shirt open. <laughs> reading about the show like a lot of it involves parallel universes and time travel and time loops mm-hmm. and all this like pretty hard sci-fi yeah. stuff i would not have expected on a children's program from the 1970s at all they went there their dead mother appears in the mist yes. you know it's like whoa it got heavy and dark sometimes and there was time travel where like holly met herself from the future at one yeah. point it was interesting yeah no, and i think kids like a bit of darkness in the stuff they watch yeah. like kids you don't want 100 at least i mean i when i was a kid i didn't mind a little bit of darkness and right. stuff even if it freaked you out you had to keep watching something like the other day at work i was talking about how the brave little toaster terrified me as a child <laughs> but i would still watch it well you know toasters kill more people <laughs> than sharks i'm sure that's a fact but it's what just- about dolphins how many people do they <laughs> oh, kill <laughs> we're going back to oh, no. let's not go to the disturbing uh dolphin and their sexual escapades <laughs> y'all gotta go back and listen to our flipper episode it gets if, if you want to understand that horrifying yeah. reference yeah to... um so anyway back to the episode while they're sleeping chaka dips out and they follow him they he meets up with his parents and they're kind of mad it's like you kidnapped our kid and they hand him a stick and and chaka turns on them like, i know and, and, i was like really chaka <laughs> Well, Wesley says that. Really? We gave you water. We fixed up your leg. This is how you're going to treat us? So he's like, man, we thought you were our friend. And then Grumpy's on the rampage again. So they all run from the dinosaur and they go back in their cave and they're saying to their dad that they thought Chaka was their friend. And he said, it takes a lot of trust to make a friend. There's, there's your lesson. And, you know, Chaka's not their friend yet, we think. But what happens at the very end? At the very end? Well, after um, when they wake all of up that, in the they morning. wake up, they have these giant oversized fruits, <laughs> plastic fruit in the land of the lost. All the fruit is actually plastic. <laughs> That's actually a little known scientific fact. But they're like, oh, Chaka left this for us. And so they start eating the fruit and then Chaka is watching nearby. But with we- a little smile like he. Yeah. So they're going to be friends. It was funny because he leaves the cave and steals their lighter. Uh, yes and um it was i was the first time i watched the episode i watched it with my friend matt and he was like predicting everything that was gonna happen the moment they pulled out the lighter just casually to light the fire he's like this the chalk is so gonna steal and he did the, the lighter i was like yeah oh, we forgot to mention that chaka did burglarize their cave yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah he burglarized their cave so i can understand will being a bit annoyed yeah. it's one thing to just bounce it's a whole another thing to take yeah. your lighter yeah, I'd be offended if my little Pacuni didn't turn out to be my friend. 
Um, and that's the end, the end of the episode. Is there anything about the episode in your notes that we haven't covered? See, there were two points, like little details, like when they're giving water to Chaka, mm -hmm. you know, okay, it's one thing to pour a bit of water <laughs> into your hand or into his hand. I'm like, okay, acceptable, hygienic. Then they're like, oh, here, are you, they were cool with him lip in the thermos. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I'm just, this is me being nitpicky, but I'm like, you don't know what kind of bacteria you are being exposed to in this foreign other world that could potentially kill you from having him lip your thermos. Like, I wouldn't do that. Yeah. I wouldn't do that with a random person on the street exactly. on this planet. But a so little pacuni you don't even know, don't know what that I, is yeah I, I, and do the pacuni brush their teeth yeah like, I, I didn't look they, like it <laughs> I, I don't think they do maybe they chew on mint leaves or something uh the other thing was you know they kept calling grumpy the t-rex stupid oh he's a pea brain he's stupid i'm like well he can't be that stupid he destroyed their little makeshift elevator on purpose like he he, he knew mm -hmm. he, he knew so i'm like well grumpy's not that stupid he's just hungry yeah. yeah, so I, I do like when yeah. um, they poke him and he leaves and she goes, you big dope. Don't say that to Grumpy. He can't help it if he's stupid. Yeah, it was all very, yeah, the right the writing was lacking in my book. No, see, I think that's cheesy and it, it cracked me up. Okay. It cracked me up. Yeah, and that's like... the thing we have to realize is being written toward kids and it's being written so as not to frighten them, so as to entertain them, to as, you know. Yes. So I got to keep that in my mind as I look at this as a 60-ish year old person <laughs> that this was written for kids. Yes. Okay. Now, here's the thing. This show was a huge hit. For the three years it was on the air, it was the number one show on NBC from 1974 to 1976. And that includes primetime. Oh, man. Okay. Now, Wesley himself called it hokey as hell. <laughs> he said this show was hokey <laughs> as hell. There is no denying that, of no, course. No, there's no denying that. But he also said that other, other shows on Saturday morning were animated. This was live action. Yes. There was adventure and there was some darkness. But they did enough to disguise it to where kids could still enjoy it and not be scared to death. So it kind of walked that line and had that balance enough to make it entertaining to adults and kids, I no, think, at the time. Yes. Uh, okay, so here we go. IMDB gave this episode a 7.3 out of 10. Okay, for IMDB, that's pretty respectable. Yeah, that's higher than I thought thought they would give it. But what do you give this episode? Emily? The episode, I would give it a solid 8.5. 8.5 M. That's high. Well, yeah, I think it was entertaining and fun. And like the things that might bother other people, like the special effects being primitive. Like I, I eat that stuff up. I think it's so entertaining, especially when you watch it with other people. Like I said, the first time I watched this, I watched it with Matt. Yeah, and he loves this kind of stuff. Too. Oh, we like watch him, this kind of yeah. stuff all the time. Yeah. So we were, we were having a very, very good time. Okay. Here's the thing. I have to give two ratings. I'm going to give the Michelle you see sitting before you, the 62-year-old Michelle, um, who thought it was cheesy and campy, had horrible special effects, laughable dialogue, and ridiculous plots. Okay? This Michelle gives it a two. Really? That is so low. <laughs> that is like Plan 9 from Outer Space. I, well, that, that's bad. However, I'm going to flip here and i'm going to be 11 year old michelle 
sitting in my living room with my bowl of cereal on a Saturday morning watching this show and I would have given it a 10. Oh yeah. I, I would have given it a 10. So I, I'm ashamed of myself for that too. Um, because we're la my husband, we're just laughing at it. It's so silly. And I've seen, we've seen Jurassic park. We've seen graphics. We've seen crazy things be able to be done. And we're watching this and it's so and antiquated and and, and the dialogue I thought was terrible. And I just thought, and then I find out it's written by David Gerald, who wrote Star Trek. Yes, a lot of Star <laughs> Trek writers and a lot of like heavy sci-fi people were writing. But once again, it's a Saturday morning television show for kids. They are not writing. Yeah. It's not Shakespeare. We are not writing poetry. You right. are writing something like you big dope. Like that's yeah, that's kids. That's stuff. kid stuff. So and that's why probably why my rating is comparatively high because I have in mind the effects. Sure. Are for the seventies, these are very respectable effects. And yes. as a twenty first century viewer, they they do give me unintentional hilarity. But to me, that that's part of the fun. I love right. the cheesy effects. The dialogue, while it's corny to us, like I was cracking up at the dialogue too, but it's written for children. Right. And I've seen children's entertainment that has way worse dialogue than right. this that I bring shivers down my spine. And I yeah. feel like this show actually treats kids with a certain level of respect that not all children's television does. I feel like there's a lot of kids sci-fi stuff where they're content just to pew pew blasters and spaceships <laughs> and they don't go any deeper. They don't. Sure. It's like, well, we don't want to make kids think. And I think that's so rare even yeah. now. It's like they think, oh, if it's something is for kids, it has to be stupid. And I, oh, I hate that so much. Yeah. Well, I did. So that was my the two michelles right so now i'm going to marry those two together and say now i know looking at it both ways and all this i'd probably give it an eight knowing everything i know putting it in its place in time and what it was supposed to be which was a children's show so there we go but i it was it was like this dichotomy going on inside of me when you revisit stuff from your childhood it's different i think for me i would probably have similar feelings re-watching certain shows from my childhood and like it can give you the nostalgic warm and fuzzies but you know i understand okay we're gonna take another short little break and then we're gonna be back to talk about trivia and we're back and the first two kind of pieces of trivia i have are about the two actors who play the brother and sister that would be wesley your and kathy coleman they developed a very real like sibling relationship meaning good and bad they had a rivalry they fought like cats and dogs but they really truly liked each other but they were always competing for screen time and wanting to upstage each other because they were still young and that dynamic remained after the show now there is a joint interview that they did for the dvd release like a special feature i i have it because i have the dvd but i found it online i sent it to emily i said if you want to watch this and we'll just talk about it anything stuck out from that other well one of the things is uh she was like you always had to have the last word in every scene like it would be like run holly run okay i'm running no run faster and like they would keep going like back and forth it was fine they, they had a really good dynamic together i thought they were adorable they in the did i thought the reminiscing about the show was great but something did creep me out a little well what did she was all up in his personal space. Did you notice? That? I did notice he they were was all literally up. backing up at some point. She licked his face at one point. Yes. I, it was kind of a little 
cringy. Oh no, that was weird. Okay, okay. Yeah, that was weird. I was like, they are really um yeah. And then she <laughs> didn't he say when she was little she would lick his nose or something? Yeah. And then she licked him again. He goes, Oh, well, it was cute when you were young. <laughs> like not, but it was a lot, I thought. I thought I thought those parts were weird. Uh, yeah. Um he sang the theme song. And she auditioned to sing the theme song too. Yeah. But he won. There's that sibling rivalry. As a matter of fact, her and Philip Paley, who plays Chaka, made a Cheez Its commercial together two years before this show. And I actually watched a YouTube video of them on a panel where they sang the Cheez Its song together <laughs> 50 years later. It was kind of cool. But anyway, and then we already talked about how the head writer of the show was David Gerald, who also wrote for Star Trek. There's a lot of Star Trek and Lands of the Lost kind of crossovers here. Yeah, there were quite a few writers uh, when I was going through the Wikipedia page who had connections to Star Trek. Yeah, it was I, a and, lot. And I think I, um, from one of the videos I watched while, you know, l reading about Land of the Lost, they said Land of the Lost is one of the few non-Star Trek properties that they'll allow to have a booth at the big Star Trek convention. Yes, that's, they're the only show other than Star Trek that goes to that convention. That's that's saying something. Um, now, at the end, the very last episode of the last season, it isn't outright shown, but it is believed that they returned back to their home and back to their time because of little things dropped. And I, I didn't fully understand that. Did you explore that at all? Well, I was reading a few things and it it sounded really weird and dark. Like there were implications that they actually died. That they, when they died went, when they went down, down yes. the waterfall. And now like, is this like the afterlife where their consciousness ended up in a parallel universe? And yeah, I'm, I was reading about the other episodes and at one point they come across like a Confederate soldier who also got stuck. Like he went from his time to being stuck in the land of the lost. Like, I love that kind of stuff. I think that's really interesting. Yeah. You get all these different kinds of people from all these different times and places getting stuck in this pocket dimension or whatever it's like i think that's super cool i think yeah. that's really and that actually kind of makes me want to watch because i like that kind of interdimensional travel sort yeah. of thing it goes a lot deeper than what we see in this episode yeah only watching this episode mm -hmm. i was like okay well that's pretty cute that's fine mm -hmm. and then like the more i read about it, i'm like oh my god this is crazy yeah um Let's see. They filmed on two very large sound stages. One of them was the jungle sets and the lagoon. The other sound stage was like the in interior of caves and things like that. And the largest blue screen stage that they had on the lot at the time, yeah. which was it was at General Services Studio, which yeah. a lot of those uh, things from back then were filmed. Um, the only show other than Star Trek that's invited to convention. Now, they also do all the conventions they do the star trek convention they do comic-con Gal galaxicon or something Cr there's a croft con for all the i've heard that too Sid and marty croft shows and the stars kathy coleman wesley Ure, and philip paley go to all these and they bring along a raft and the paddles and you can take pictures and you can take pictures i know that's why i said like all the actors and p personnel involved with this show they seem to be the coolest people yeah. like now here's wesley and kathy in the raft Oh, that's awesome. And then this is them with some fans. And they have like slee stack masks and stuff. Oh my God. And is that like a little dopey on the side? 
Yeah. Like the brontosaurus? Right there. And that's Philip Paley. That's Chaka right that's there. That's Chaka? Oh, yeah. cool. And Wesley and Kathy. And then that's fans. They get to get in the raft and act like they're being plunged over. Really cute pictures. I'm going to put those on the Facebook page also for you guys to see. But they're still doing them to this day. And they get huge fan reception. Yeah. It's marvelous. It reminds me a bit of the Dark Shadows thing where all these years later, they still have fans. Mm -hmm. and Which, okay. I suppose we should get on to attempts to revive or reboot the series. That's next. Let's talk about um, it. So, yeah, in 1991, they tried rebooting the show. Um, they changed a few of the elements, and apparently it didn't do as well. It was 26 episodes. Two seasons. Two seasons. Mm -hmm. um, you can't find this anywhere, basically. It's never been put on home media or streaming. So I wasn't able to find too, too much about it. Uh, other yeah, than they, they added, I think, like an additional female character who was like a cavewoman or something. Um, and then they tried making a movie in 2009 with Will Ferrell. And I only watched like Awful. two clips from it. And which was fine because my friend Matt, he hates Will Ferrell with a burning passion. So, yeah. And indeed, uh, if you don't like the Will Ferrell shtick, I imagine this movie is a specialized torture. It's kind of like the Dark Shadows movie with Johnny Depp, where it feels like it's a parody of the old show, only with crude jokes and stupidity and CG that looks pretty bad. I mean, if we're going to talk about bad special effects, the CG in this was nothing to write home about. Yeah. And in 2009, they had capability to do better. Well, 2009 is yeah. the year you have Avatar. Yeah. So they had the they Were they just cheap? Were they just, I don't know. I don't, I don't know, know, but it's been swiftly forgotten, and I, I, it looks like for good reason, which... Though I have to wonder, like, do you think this show could be successfully rebooted? Here's the thing. I have a really, like, reboots and remakes of movies. I, I am such a nostalgic person. I want you to leave it alone. I, I just, I, you, you can almost never capture. That's true. The, the original magic of anything. I think there are a few exceptions where I thoroughly enjoyed something. Like this, I, I didn't even go see because I'm like, I, I don't, I don't want to tarnish because i loved that show as a child so yeah. i don't want to tarnish anything I, I i'm not a fan of of reboots and stuff See, i'm I, just not i generally am not um unless you're going to be creative and interesting and i feel like land of the lost because it deals so much with alternate timelines and alternate dimensions mm -hmm. you wouldn't even have to remake it necessarily it would probably but what be what we consider a soft reboot where you have other characters show up in the land of the lost and they would probably have you know the wesley <laughs> and um is what was her name like coleman kathy coleman, kathy coleman. Yeah. they'd probably have them cameo on yeah, the show like right hey, yeah we're will and holly we're still stuck here yeah <laughs> we've been stuck here for decades well you know speaking of that because i saw in a panel that they did at i think it was at comic-con they were talking about the um 2009 movie somebody oh. somebody in the audience asked a question what did you think about the movie and wesley was like what movie <laughs> actually him and Kathy Coleman were asked to film a cameo and they did they went and filmed it and it wound up on the cutting room floor I'm not sure that <laughs> similar things happened with the Dark Shadows movie and they said it was stupid anyway I, I don't blame them all right have you anything else to say about this this was so enjoyable well the one we thing threw out so many facts I mean people are gonna facts yeah yes we are <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, the only other thing I, I one thing I, I thought was interesting, I noticed how a lot of shows, and maybe it's just me overestimating, but back in the 70s, if you had a popular television series, it tended to get a movie, like a theatrical movie, like Dark Shadows had two, mm -hmm. one of which was pretty good, and the other which was one of the worst things I've ever seen. H.R. Puffin stuff had a movie. Yes. 
But I'm surprised Land of the Lost never got like a theatrical movie mm -hmm. with a bigger budget. Well, they did, and you're complaining. No, <laughs> we're not talking about Will Ferrell. I meant back in the actual. No, 70s. I know. I know what you're yes. talking about. Yeah. Look, I was I was first in line for that puffin stuff movie. I would have been first in line if they did a Land of the Lost movie. So I don't know, like, why. But then again, I don't know the in, ins and outs of these business. Next types time of... I speak to Wesley, I'll ask him. You you have a personal <laughs> connection with him now. So. I don't I don't want to become a uh, you know like a stalker to him or something. So I'm not going to say anything else. Um. So yeah. So this was enjoyable. I loved kind of diving back into this, and uh, thank you, Terry, for suggesting this because going back to the 70s and once again this is old tv with a new twist this is what i want to do is tackle shows from back in the day when i was young and tackle it with somebody who's never seen it and is of a different generation and find out what they think and um you've been very favorable in in most things emily uh, you well, you're a very amenable person <laughs> well i i like old stuff i watch movies from the silent era yeah and things like that so the 70s doesn't even seemed too terribly removed right. from the present by comparison right. so yeah but no i enjoy all these 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 have been fun mm -hmm. uh these have, i would and i would watch more of land of the lost yeah i, I wouldn't okay. mind checking out more especially if it gets crazier than this like that's awesome yeah and I, I want more does i want more stop motion dinosaurs and overacting <laughs> give me more please okay okay well Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Emily. You'll be back soon. I hope. I hope so too. Okay. Say bye. Bye-bye. This is Michelle and thank you for joining us for this episode of Old TV with a New Twist. If you like this podcast, please subscribe to us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, or on your Apple Podcast app and join our Facebook group, Old TV with a New Twist podcast group and tell us what you'd like to hear us talk about, and we'll keep you informed of what's to come. We'll be back next month with a whole new episode of Old TV with a New Twist.